0: Here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Good morning. Welcome to Arden First. If you are visiting today, we want to say welcome home. We're so glad you're here. I'm Timothy. I'm one of the pastors here. We're going to welcome those watching online. Just wanted to thank you guys for all that you did to contribute to Holy Week. Um, Not only did we experience God move and lives being changed and celebrate the new life in Christ, but you guys, because you brought friends and family we set record attendance, that numbers we have not seen in 20 years. So let's give yourselves a hand for all the people you brought. We're so thankful. Let us prepare our hearts for God's word today. Father, I'm reminded in your word that not only does the blood of Jesus wash away our sins, but as we read your word, it has this sanctifying effect. It has this effect of helping us grow closer to you. So Lord, wash us with the word of God. As we partake of this spiritual meal, we pray your blessing will be upon each person here and those who are watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in Genesis 17, so go ahead and turn there. As you turn there, I'm going to tell you a story that you didn't know about me. Most of you did not know. How many of you knew that I had a different name? I had a name change. Anybody know that? See, I knew most of you did not know that. Um, If If you knew me before... Texas days, everyone called me Tim. So they'd be like, Hey, Tim, how are you doing? Hello, Tim. And ever when I moved back from Texas in my mid twenties, because I had changed so much because God basically brought me from being a boy to kind of growing up, being a man, being away from my family, just kind of God called me out and kind of helped me grow up a little bit in my twenties. When I met people, I said, hello, I'm Timothy. Timothy. Because there's something in a name. The name Timothy means honoring God. And because when I went back from Texas, I I was radically changed and had had really grown and matured in the Lord. I didn't want to shorten that. So if you're Tim, you can still call yourself Tim. But my story was I didn't want to shorten it because of what the, the name meant, what it signified. So today we're going to launch a new series when God changes your name. And this is kind of a sub series within the book of Revelation. If you guys remember, we've been studying Revelation prior to Easter and we kept coming across a theme of like in, in one church it says, I'm going to write it. Everyone's going to get a new name written on a stone and it talks about Jesus, a new name, and we kept coming across the imagery of new name. So what I wanted to do is just take the next few weeks to kind of address what is the biblical concept of a new name? Where, where does it start with? Uh, what does it look like to people in the Bible? So the question we're going to ask today is what happens when God changes a person's name. So we're going to be in Genesis 17 and on your listening God it's a full chapter and don't worry for those of you know me you're like oh we're going to be here for 2 hours. I'm going to read some and I'll summarize some. We can't cover every nuance of every verse, but you guys are going to get the big idea. So we find in Genesis 17 a little preview God is going to speak to an elderly couple. The, the husband is ninety nine and the wife is eighty nine and God has given them big promises. But yet they haven't been fulfilled yet. So today we're going to look at what God says to Abram and Sarai. So start in verse one. When Abram was ninety nine years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you. And I will multiply you exceedingly. So we've got to do a little pause there. Imagine if you're 99 years old. We do have one person that's part of the church. She's 101. Uh, Everyone else is, I think, the second oldest is 92. So we we only have one person that's 99 plus. So imagine at 99 years old, God showing up and said, hey, you're still going to have a bunch of kids. And Sarai is 89. So can you imagine? They're like, I, I'm ready to be in the retirement home, right? I'm ready to be in the nursing home, not having kids. That's for when you're young, not when you're pushing 90 and pushing 100. But God shows up and says, you're going to have kids. So, alright. Pick up in verse 3, Abraham's response. And then Abram fell on his face and God talked to him saying, Ask for me, behold my covenant, is with you. When you see the word covenant, it's a big Bible word for promise. God's making a promise that He's going to stand by. And you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Now, I want you to underline, for I have made you the father of many nations. We're going to hit this in the sermon. But notice the tense. I have made. It's like a past tense. Like you've only got one child that's not even the son of promise, but I've already spoken it and declared it. It's going to be done. So in verse six, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be your to be to you, God, to you and your descendants after you. Also, I'll give you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. So in verses nine through 15, I'm just going to summarize this there on your listening guide as a sign of this covenant. God gives the symbol of circumcision. When's the last time you heard a sermon on circumcision? Every time we talk about men kind of squirm. But in verses 9 through 15, it's the idea that because you believe in me, there's going to be an outward sign of inward commitment. And it's a sign of circumcision. So in verses 9 through 15, they do something very painful. These men that are connected to Abraham, servants in his household, they have to go through adult male circumcision. Now, it's painful enough for a child Grown men, can you imagine adult male circumcision? This Paul's there. all the guys are sprunging. OK. So we pick up in verse 15, relieve that tension for you there. Then God said to Abram, Abraham, Abraham "Ask for Sarai, your wife, her name shall not be Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations." Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old and Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear child. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. You shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. And he shall beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear bear to you at this set time next year. You may want to underline next year. Because Abraham had been waiting for years, but God finally gives a timeline. It's going to be next year. Then he finished talking with him and God went up from Abraham. May God bless his word. So today I want to paint this picture of a guy who had a name change and also his wife who had a name change. And I want to give you three encouraging realities of what it looks like when God changes a person's name. So the first reality is this. Whenever God changes a person's name it's because their future is brighter than their present. Their future is brighter than their present. So if you look at Abraham's life before his name was changed to Abraham, he went by Abram and his life was one of great faith. So it picks up in Genesis 11. I'm just going to give you Old Testament survey paint with broad brushstrokes, but you can go back and look at it. Genesis 11 We see that Abraham's family, God told him to step out and go to the land he was going to show him. Can you imagine that conversation with his wife? Hey, um, God told me we got to leave our hometown and we got to go out and just pilgrimage, go on a journey with God. And Sarah's like, where are we going? I don't know. How are we going to know when we get there? I don't know. God just told me. So can you imagine the Bible doesn't tell us, but wouldn't it be funny if Sarah was a detailed person? How many detailed analytical people do we have in the room? You know, if she, we're not told, but let's imagine if she was detailed, be like, all right, when are we leaving? How many miles are we going to go? All the details. And he's like, I don't know. God just said go. And whenever God says go, you can't say no. So he takes a step of faith. Now, what we learn from Abraham's life is his family was very full of drama because um, we, we see this is a parallel. I believe it's Joshua 24 four two. Abraham's father, Terah, worshiped idols. So here's the thing. He had a dysfunctional family. Does anybody hear from a dysfunctional family? That was Abraham. I mean, think about idol worshipers. No wonder God said, get out of that. No wonder God says, I want you to leave the past behind because I don't want you to worship me plus other gods. It's me alone. I'm not going to share my worship with another God. So Abraham steps out. We pick up in Genesis 12. God promises Abraham Whenever he's 75 years old. So keep in mind, he's no spring chicken. He's 75. He, he says, look at the stars. And we see this in Genesis 15. But Genesis 12, he says, I'm going to give you a multi- multitude of descendants. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to make you famous. I'm, you're going to be a blessing. That's Genesis 12. So he s- steps into Genesis 15. If you'll look on your listening guide, I just want to give you kind of a summary of this promise as God continues to show up to him. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And then Abraham, he's like, hey, I don't have a child. Maybe Eliezer, Damascus can be my heir. And then God says, no, he says, verse four, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now towards heaven. Count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. And notice verse six. And he believed God. He believed in the Lord and he accounted him for righteousness. So I want to just do a side theological note. I've heard this doctrine in my past, but I've heard people say, isn't it great to be under grace? The Old Testament, you are saved by keeping the law. The New Testament, you're saved by grace. But verse six disproves that throughout human history, we've never been saved by works. We've always been saved by faith. Because let me tell you why. If you could be saved by the law, you'd have to be perfect, meaning you, you, you would never be able to break any law. Otherwise, you're, you couldn't make it to heaven because heaven requires perfection because God is holy. So Paul uses this verse to point to justification that you are forgiven by faith alone. So Old Testament believers, they were saved by faith in the coming Messiah. And they showed their faith by keeping the law, but they weren't saved by the law. That that was evidence. So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. So I want you to think about this. He's 75. God says you're going to have these children. But Abraham grew impatient. So you fast forward a little bit later. Abraham's getting older. He's like, my, my clock is ticking. God's not coming through. So Sarai has this plan. Does anybody know what the plan is? I have this servant named Hagar. Why don't you go sleep with her? And he's like, OK, he doesn't argue this young woman. OK, so see, even Abraham made mistakes. He should not have done that. So he marries her, becomes a handmaiden and they have a child. Called Ishmael. And here's the thing. There's a time when God gives you a promise. But you ever notice the fulfillment? It's hard to wait for it to happen. So what happens is we often take matters into our own hands. It's called operating in the flesh instead of trusting God in the Spirit. So Abraham acted in the flesh. He listened to Sarai. He he thought that this would bring about God's promises, but all along, God's like, listen. I have something for you. So fast forward. It's been 24 years since God initially encountered Abraham in Genesis 12, 24 years. He's now 99 years old. That's a long time to wait on God, right? 24 years. And God comes to him and declares that he's going to do something. He's going to do something, but it's going to require Abraham to believe God, just like he did in the original So I want to just give you an application of something. It's called the promise gap. The promise gap is the distance between God's initial promise and God's eventual fulfillment. It's a gap, the promise gap. So if God has ever given you a promise and it's not yet been fulfilled, don't give up on believing in God. Don't stop believing, because as long as you're still breathing, God still has a promise to fulfill to you. He promised Abraham that he was going to have children that are more than can be counted than the stars. And I think like Abraham, we too get impatient. Does God ever seem like he's slow to come through for you? Does God ever seem like not to have a clock? It's like, God, uh, I've been waiting 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. God, where are you? But then there's the book of Habakkuk. Tell the person next to you Habakkuk. What is Habakkuk? It's a book that's a small little book in the Bible, but it, it, it has a great punch. And there's so many good verses about writing the vision on tablets and God's God's got a vision. It needs to be clear. But then there's about the timing of the vision. Habakkuk says the vision is for a what? future time. It describes the end. And it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, don't you wish that word was not in the Bible? Slow. God, can't you just hurry up? I'm tired of waiting. God, can't you just come through like slow? I wish that word wasn't, but it's there. If it's slow in coming, wait. What? Wait patiently. How many of you wait, but you wait impatiently? How many of you wait, but you wait with complaining? And anxiety and stress. And you begin to take things into your own hands. But God says, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. So if God has a divine promise, he has a divine fulfillment. So Abraham has waited 24 years and he's just like, God, what are you going to do? And here's the thing. God gives him this promise when he least expects it. God shows up to him when his dreams are in the dream graveyard. Did you know that the richest place in the world is the cemetery? Because in the cemetery has dreams that have never been fulfilled. In the graveyard has books that's never been written, businesses that were never started, dreams that were never actualized. Why is that? Because so many times we give up on the dream. So many times we give up on what God is doing. We do things our own way. So instead of a God fulfillment, we, we, we try to hijack. We try to take over. But if God has a divine dream that he's given you, there's a divine fulfillment. But it requires faith and obedience on your part. It requires you to say, yes, Lord, I believe you. Yes, God, I'm going to move forward. So here's here's the truth. God shows up. And not only is he going to give Abram and Sarai a new name, but God reveals a new name of himself. It's the Hebrew name El Shaddai. What does El Shaddai mean? God Almighty, isn't it interesting that God in changing Abram's name and Sarai's name reveals a new name, a new aspect of his character? What is El Shaddai? God is saying, you may think that you're too old. You may think that there's more life behind you than in front of you. You may think that this is not going to happen, but don't forget, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. When I speak something, it happens. When I proclaim something, it will be fulfilled, but you have to trust in me. Abraham, I am God Almighty. Wake up. Get out of that nap. You're 99, but you're still kicking. Okay, you're still breathing. Wake up, Abraham. I am El Shaddai. And what I have declared, it will come true. I am God Almighty, he tells Abraham. So what's in a name? Whenever a name is given by God, it reveals an identity, a character and a calling. God is telling Abraham, you can trust in me. There's nothing I can't handle. So let's look at Abram's name change. The name Abram means exalted father. And it's kind of humorous because Abram only has one kid and it's not the kid that God had promised, right? He's only got one child, Ishmael, who's 13. And God says, your name's no longer Abram, but it's Abraham. What does Abraham mean? Father of a multitude. Now, I love this and I want you to go back in your scripture to to read verse number five. I just want this to soak into your soul. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations. God already said, listen, you've only got one child, but I have made you the father of many nations. So here's, here's the spiritual principle I want you to take home with you. Before things are manifested in the physical, they are released in the spiritual. Before things are seen in the physical, they are released in the spiritual. So here's the thing, the promise... Always comes before the fulfillment. Typically, the answer to prayer comes after the prayer, right? Faith comes before sight. It's not seeing is believing. It's believing is seeing. So if you have not yet received what God has for you, it's time to keep doing battle in the spiritual. Because before things are manifested in the physical, they have to be released in the spiritual. God says, Abram, you are a father of many nations. He's like, wait a second, I just got one kid, right? Think about the irony. Abraham had one child and it was not the one that God had promised. He was the father of one and God spoke that you're going to be the father of many. Abraham saw a problem when God saw potential. Abraham saw his circumstance when God predicted what would happen in the future. Abraham saw his drama when God was declaring his destiny. So if God has not come through in the time that you want, realize his timing is best. His timing is perfect. God is never late. From our perspective, he's seldom early, but he's never late. He's always right on time. Thank God for Abraham. So here's the thing, practically in your life before we go to the next point. There's going to be things if you're a person of faith that God's going to call you to do that does not make sense. There may be someone in their 80s that God calls to start a new business and you're like, "I can't do it, I'm 80." Don't don't limit what God's going to do. There may be someone here that God is leading you to do something that does not make financial sense, but you know it's the Lord. I, I can't tell you how many stories with Lori and I in our marriage that we took steps of faith that we didn't have the money and God always came through. We never went without food. He always provided. So in the natural, sometimes it doesn't make sense, but faith is taking that step of faith before you see it happen. In the Old Testament, whenever the children of Israel were going to enter into the promised land, whenever they were going to cross the Jordan River, the priest had to take a step of faith. The Bible says the Jordan River was at flood stage. And guess what the priests had to do? They had to step into the water before it parted. They had to step into the water before anything happened. And in your life, God will often tell you to do things before you have the resources, before you have the answers, before you have all the plan. And you know what? You have to take that step of faith. And I really believe in our church, we're entering a new season where God is just doing something supernatural. Where God is doing something that's not just local, but it's going to be regional and global. And that's going to require us to take steps of faith even before we see the answer, even before we see the resources, because faith always comes before sight. The second encouraging reality, when God changes your name, this is a challenging reality. But when God changes your name, it requires sacrifice on your part. So. In verses 9 through 14, when God gives you a promise, what did he do to Abraham? He gave him a call to action. What was the call to action? Circumcise all the men in your clan. Now, how popular do you think that was among the guys initially? Can you imagine the drama? you well, you going to do what? And who had to perform the surgery? Like, and you think about all these questions like I wouldn't want to sign up for that job, right? All the men are squirming. Let me explain circumcision. Okay, circumcision was an outward mark or an outward sign of inward commitment. And a lot of times we read these things, which, by the way, circumcision is throughout the Bible, but you never hear anyone talk about it. What was the big deal about circumcision? They did practice it in those cultures. But for the Jewish men, what it meant is I am committed to God and get this in my daily life. I know this is going to sound crazy, but every time A Jewish man went to the restroom. It was a reminder that I belong to God. It was an outward mark of the inward commitment. And I know that sounds weird. And for you women, it's like that's out there. But it reminded them I belong to God. So fast forward the new covenant, the new covenant, just like the old covenant. You're not saved by any works. You're saved by placing your faith in Christ. But God gives us a new sign. I'm not saying it replaces the old sign. It's just a new sign for the new covenant Every believer is called to do what? After you become a believer, what's the first act of obedience? Baptism. okay. and what's fascinating, I want you to think about this. Baptism is the first act of I'm following Christ. It's the first act of obedience. Jesus said it like this His his great commission. It wasn't a suggestion. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. And what was the first action baptizing them? And you fast forward to the day of Pentecost, Peter's sermon, when they were cut to the heart, they said, what should we do? He said, repent and be baptized. So the New Testament, there's only one example of someone that wasn't baptized and it's because he couldn't. It was the thief on the cross. So baptism doesn't save you, but it's the first base. So if you are a believer, but never have been baptized after you become a a Christian, This is your call to action to sign up to be baptized. Give us the honor to celebrate this first action. And some of you are like, I was baptized as a baby. As a baby, you can't really make the decision to follow Christ. We call that dedication. And that's good. Your parents had really good intentions. They dedicated you. But baptism is for someone that can knowingly accept Christ. Because as a baby, you're not old enough to know. But as an adult, you make that decision. And that's why at, at this church, we celebrate believers' baptism. So back to circumcision, you guys thought I'd let you off the hook. Here's something really weird that you can have at dinner conversation. Only two people in the first service that ever heard this. But did you know in the New Testament, everybody is circumcised? <laughs> You're like, what? Well, let me read the scripture. Let me read a scripture. This is going to be interesting. All right, Colossians It's not the circumcision you think about. All right, guys, just take a deep breath. In Christ, you were circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. And we're like, thank the Lord. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So here's the circumcision. Your heart has been circumcised. The power of the sin nature no longer has control over you. Now, do we still have a sin nature? Yes, we know we do because we still struggle with sin, but it no longer has power. The power has been cut off. You don't have to say yes to sin anymore. You can say no. The power has been cut off. So there's the there's the awkward conversation. For those of you, your husband's not here. You're like, honey, I got a confession. I got circumcised. What? The heart. (laughs) So here's the thing. When God places a big call in your life, what does it mean? It means that you're to have a life of complete devotion to him and it will require sacrifices along the way. All right. Truth number three. You're like, let's move on past circumcision. I know it's painful when God changes your name. It creates an eternal ripple effect. So in verses 15 through 17, God tells Abraham, he's like, by the way, your wife, Sarai, she's going to get a name changed, too. Now, can you imagine that conversation Abraham has had a lot of awkward conversations with Sarah. Hey, we're leaving. Where are we going? I don't know. Let's go. Genesis 12, one through three. he's like, hey, um, you're going to get pregnant. And she's like, I'm almost 90. You're going to get pregnant and have a baby. And by the way, God's given you a new name. Can you imagine that conversation? How awkward that would be? I'm getting pregnant. What are you kidding me? And her new name, it's very subtle, just like Tim to Timothy is very subtle. But her name, Sarai means my princess. And then the name Sarah means princess. And you're like, well, what is the difference? Here's the way I view it. For the first 89 years, Sarai was a princess to her father. And then she became Abraham's princess. And then God gave this promise to her. Through Abraham, he said, you're going to be a a mother of the nations, just like Abraham's going to be a father. You're going to you're going to be giving birth to kings. Think about that. You're a king bringer. Wouldn't that be cool, moms? All the children coming through you are going to many of them are going to turn into kings. I could imagine her strutting around. Okay, let's see, see that. So she went from being Abraham's princess to now she's a princess to all the nations. And if you guys ever grew up in church, there was a song. And singing, if you know it, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And then you go right arm left. And you're like, what is that? Let me give you the scripture. Let's throw it on the screen. Galatians 3.29. So here's the the principle. If you belong to Christ. So anyone in here that's truly been born again. Then you are Abraham's what? So I want you to get this. When God gave this promise to Abraham when he was 99 and Sarah was 89, and when they had the promised child, Isaac, laughter at 190, they didn't realize the full implications. Not only would they give birth and be part of the nation of Israel, but now all Christians around the world are spiritual descendants of Abraham. Isn't that amazing? And here's what's cool. It says heirs according to the promise. So there there are certain passages where people say, well, no, you can't claim that. That's the Old Testament. I beg to differ because I'm an heir. I'm a spiritual heir of Abraham. The promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. And if you think being part of Abraham's heir and spiritual seeds, great. The Bible says you're co-heirs with Christ and Christ owns everything. So claim the promises that God has given to Abraham's seed. So the principle is this. Whenever you're in Christ, whenever you lead someone to Christ, you will have a ripple effect. Just like Abraham and Sarah had no idea that not only the physical offspring, that they, that they believed God and God did it. But did they know that you guys would be sitting here in 2023 at Arden first at this church? Spiritual offspring of Abraham. Did they see that? Did they see that there would be two, almost two billion people that claim faith in Christ on the on the planet? Did they see that? Genesis 15, Abraham, look at the stars. If you can count them by name, all of your children are going to outnumber that. Now, Israelites, yes, there's there's a lot. But think about how many Christians that have lived since then, from the time of Jesus on people that have followed Christ. You can't count them. There's so many. I want to close with a story. This is a true story. There was a boy that grew up in El Salvador and he was dysfunctional from the beginning. His mom didn't know how to deal with him. So she passed him off to his grandparents to raise him. She went to America. She's like, I'm going to try to find my own life. And so she left the boy behind and the grandparents did their best, but they didn't really know how to raise this child. And one day, this child overheard them saying, you know, he has major learning disabilities. He has major learning disabilities. He's not really going to amount to much. He's slow. We can't really expect anything out of him. And he heard that. And obviously, that that had a scar in in his heart. So they sent him to a, a psychiatrist. That did all those diagnosis tests of, you know, what kind of learning disabilities does he have? And sure enough, the psychiatrist diagnosed him with all these different, you know, letter disabilities. And he realized, man, I'm not going to amount to much. I'm not smart as others. I I can't really read that well. I can't really focus. Oh, squirrel. You know, he just just felt so, so discouraged. And when he was 10 years old, he had a chance to go join his mother in America. So he said to his grandfather, he said, grandfather, I'm going to need not an El Salvadorian name, but I'm going to need an American name so I won't get made fun of at school. And up to this point, his grandfather had never said one encouraging word to him his whole life. But his grandfather thought a second. He he kind of looked up into the air and said, you're going to need a name that is a strong name. You're going to need, need a name that says valor. You're going to need a name of someone that's intelligent, someone that's brilliant, someone that's going to change the world. Your name's going to be Irwin. Now, when, when the little boy heard Irwin, it didn't really do much for him. He didn't really like the name. He wanted an American name like Bill or John Irwin. But his grandfather said that name meant that he was going to be successful and intelligent and brilliant. And is someone of strength and valor, someone that's going to change the world. So he moved to America and his mother was a little restless, just like he, he was. And he went from state to state with his mother And he had every opportunity to change his name from Irwin to something else. But every time he thought about it, he said, no, Irwin means strength and valor, seeds of greatness that God has placed on the inside. And so he kept Irwin. And in life, he went from being really dysfunctional, underachiever, to now the world knows him as Irwin McManus. He's a pastor, an author, a fashion designer. He's in L.A. and he's reaching a lot of people far from God. And I wonder if the world would have ever heard of this guy that had so many learning disabilities and challenges had his grandfather not given him a new name. So today's big idea to summarize all the scripture into one sentence is that when God changes a person's name, he changes a person's destiny. So as we apply this today, some of you are like, well, Timothy, I'm not pushing 100 you know, I don't plan on getting pregnant at 90. How does this apply to me? I'm glad you're asking that question. Three things. The first action step is to obey. Whenever God says go, you can't say no. Whenever He calls you to do something, it's those steps of obedience. And for all my detailed people, we've got a lot of intelligent people in the room. God doesn't always give you the blueprint in advance. You know, He doesn't always give you every detail. But he tells you to take steps of faith when he calls your name. And the second action step is sacrifice. Yes, we are saved by faith alone. But how many of you know that when God calls you to do something big, it's going to require bold obedience. And so many of us stay stuck in our spiritual walk. So many of us stay stuck in our career because we're never willing to take that step when we feel God nudging us. We're like, no, I'm going to play it easy. And whenever you have change, you have resistance and I don't want resistance. I'm just going to I'm going to say nothing. I'm going to do nothing. And I'm just going to set on my blessed assurance till Jesus comes back. Do we ever struggle with that? And the final action step is to rejoice. Remember that first principle we talked about, that spiritual, powerful principle that God says you are Abraham and you are a father of many nations. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm a father of One rejoice that if God is speaking something to you and how do you know God's speaking to you? Well, you're in the word, tested with the word. You have other people in your life holding you accountable. You have other people that know you that in the multitude of counselors are safe. There's so many steps to see whether it's God or whether it's the pizza you ate the night before. But if God is truly speaking to his word and through the spirit, it's like I'm going to rejoice because he's calling me to do something great for him. And I just want to encourage you that in Christ, guess what? There's something amazing in front of you. The best days are not back here. But just like Abraham looking at that starry sky in Genesis 15, I want you to lift your eyes up to the Lord and know that in Christ, the promises of God are yes and amen. Can I get an amen? Let us pray.